Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me from across the pond is my homeboy, Matt Hudson. Hey, how you doing, John? It's cold and wet over here in England, but what's <laughs> what's new? Hey, you know, it's actually uh, nice today here over in Florida. Um, I, I actually I drove to uh, see The Hate You Give earlier, and my air conditioner was on low, and I was freezing, and that does not happen, so... Um, I was like, it must be kind of chilly outside today, which for us is like, you know, 70. So, but I can't complain about that. Um, you know, the weather is not too bad right now. It's, it's cold over here, but we've got, hopefully we've got enough films to warm up the atmosphere, if you get me. So, ah, ooh, atmosphere. So if you're new <laughs> to this podcast, listener, um, this I'm John Burke, as noted, and we are going to be talking about the movies that we saw from October. We pick four big releases, and then we'll talk about anything else that we might have caught. Um, and that includes some things that maybe weren't released in October, but I happen to uh, catch. Because there is one, Matt, that i got to talk to you about at the end of this podcast that I don't know if you've seen, but I, if you have, I definitely want to pick your brain over it. Have you seen uh, Summer of 84? No, it's on my list. I've, <laughs> I've got about two films to watch ahead of it, so by, by Halloween, I would have seen it. Okay, because I I I uh, rented it because it was ninety nine cents on Vudu here in the states, mm-hmm. um, and I watched it last night, and I I am not a fan. Um, and I don't know. Sometimes I think it might be my own like head state when I go into a movie, and I, it's mm-hmm. possible this movie suffered for that reason. I don't know, but um, I had I had a long discussion with Big Tuna, who is a friend of the the show, um, about it this morning, and. He's he's the one who actually like got me to rent it. He's a big fan of it, um, and we did not like it. And or he loved it. Sorry, I did not like it. Um, and it's funny because he doesn't like Stranger Things. I love Stranger Things, <laughs> and I uh, so we just flipped on these two apparently. Because um, this this is a set in obviously eighty four, and it is following a group of four teenagers um, who I, I don't know. I didn't read the premise ahead of time, so I don't even know if I want to say. Uh, it, I mean, it, the conceit's given literally in the opening narration, but um, he, you know, I don't want to spoil the movie, but uh, we won't get into it any more than that since you haven't seen it yet. But I, um, oh man, it just sat with me wrong where I kind of didn't want to watch a movie today because I was so irritated over the movie I watched last night. So <laughs> I've heard, that's funny you mentioned that because it's a film I've been interested in seeing just because of the poster more than anything. I think the poster mm-hmm. is awesome. But I've also heard people say they either really like it or they just think it's a bit trash. So I'm interested to see which side of it I fall on. Yeah, and I don't even—I don't even feel like I feel like trash might be harsh. It's just 
I didn't really like the characters, and I didn't buy into um, the overall premise. And then it is it is definitely reminiscent of other product, um, mm-hmm. you know, other art um, as well. I don't want to make it sound like it's a commercial schlock. I would I would not say that. And it is the director from Turbo Kid. I don't know if you ever saw that. That was a I never saw that. No, it was a Netflix film. Um, or at least I saw it on Netflix, and I was under the impression it was a Netflix film from maybe two three years ago. Um, that was very much Mad Max inspired, but it was like Mad Max on BMX bikes. <laughs> um, and it was like a teenage lead. So again, this director seems to work with teenagers. And I, I like Turbo Kid okay. It was it was uber violent. Uh, Michael Ironside was the villain in the film. Um, and so this was the second film of this director as I've seen. Um, it's very competently assembled, but I had, I had, I was like irritated getting through the movie last night. Um, I just wanted it to end. Uh, I, I would say it spends a good three quarters of it doing almost nothing. And then oh, like good. the third act just spirals, uh, really, really fast. And I, I was not, not into it. Um, again, what's the runtime, do you know? Or give uh, or take 104 minutes. I think it's, it's relatively quick. Yeah. Okay. It didn't feel interesting. Quick. No, no, but that's why I asked, because if it's had it been about two hours long and the first what, hour and 40 minutes was slow, then I might have pushed it back a bit. But for an hour, what's that, an hour and 40-odd minutes, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll check it out in the next few days. And it, I definitely think it's going to – it just depends what resonates with you. It's, it's, it definitely seems a little polarizing because um, it wasn't just like Big Tuna liked it and I disliked it. Like we were – we had a like a good 40-minute text conversation mm-hmm like arguing our points back and forth <laughs> um so you know I, diplomatically I as well it was yes it was um, but you know uh yeah it, in fact um one thing matt uh before we get into the movies folks um i went i got to see uh an, uh, another uh movie i didn't put on the list i just realized um mid 90s um i saw monday night at a critic screening and um that's the new jonah hill film and mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about the movie right this second, but I am going to talk about uh, a cool interaction I had afterwards. Um, it was a public screening as well, so like the some it was critics, but then in the back half of the the theater there were uh, tickets that were given away for like radio premieres and things like that. And um, when whenever we do a critic screening here, when you walk out, uh, the person gets like a quote from you real quick. What are your thoughts on the film? And so I, I give my quote to the person, and as I turn to walk away, somebody stops me. And it's like, hey, can, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, what's okay. up? And uh, I don't usually do well with that type of social uh, kind of because I get real defensive immediately. Like, what's going on? Why am I being stopped? <laughs> um, and uh, it's this guy named Elijah, um, and he's looking to get into film criticism. And oh. he, he just pulled me out of the the group, um, and then Big Tuna joined me because we were both at the screening. And uh, we ended up talking to the guy for like 10, 15 minutes, and he's looking to do like the YouTube kind of uh, you know video reviews and i was it was really cool it was a, we had a great conversation um and elijah if you're listening to this podcast because i hope you are um it was it was really cool getting to meet you and i'm looking forward to seeing what you do with the criticism side of things and uh it's just you know that was um it got us talking like me big tuna with him but also with um my friend uh an editor at for book reviews david just about like how we view criticism and like um i talked about you quite a bit because of how we work together, you know, that we are, um, we don't always see eye to eye on films, but we're always respectful with our opinions, you know, when we don't agree. And just that, that's the vibe that I think you and I and Big Tuna were trying to put out into the world of criticism. It's like, it's okay to disagree. You know, it's, we don't all have to like the same stuff. And 
you can like what you like. Um, our, and we're, we're not, when we put a review out there, we're not saying this is the answer to the mm-hmm. question of, is this movie good? This is our thoughts. And if you often agree with our thoughts, when you hear what we say, then there's a good chance you're going to agree again. You may not because like big tune and I don't always see eye to eye on films. And other times we completely see eye to eye on movies. And a lot of times that surprises us too. Cause the ones that we think we both are going to like, we often don't. And then the ones that uh, we think we're going to be split on, we end up agreeing more often than not. But you know, we always have that mutual respect and that was what we kind of instilled with him is like, you know, make sure, you know, you do this. And pe- whenever you put your thoughts out there, there's going to be backlash. So, you know, people are going to disagree and some people troll, you know, just disagree yeah, yeah. with you to start trouble and you just got to, you know, move on from it. And, um, you know, that's why I, I was, it was cool because I've been doing this for a few years now and I, I look to keep doing it. I really enjoy uh, talking about movies and, and spreading what I think is the best art in existence. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, while I don't necessarily make movies, I like to, uh, make people aware of them, you know, especially the indie films that people might miss. And so, um, it was a cool experience, you know, like I've gone to several critic screenings. I've never had anyone stop me to ask me what, you know, my experience as a critic at this point. So I thought it was kind of cool. I think you hit the nail on the head there as well by saying that just because we like a film or we do or don't, that doesn't mean we then we're going to convince you to like it or anybody else. It's subjective and that's the beauty of it. It's, and as long as we, as long as people can or we can put our points across in a way that others can understand why we do or don't like it, then great. We're not out to change anybody's mind. But at the same time, stick firm to your beliefs. I still believe I'm the only person in the world who doesn't like a Nick Cage film this month. And <laughs> I recently put out a review of The Darkest Minds, essentially calling it absolute tripe in an artistic way, of course. And uh, the, the, the I found out quite quickly The Darkest Minds, an awful lot of <laughs> fans who are willing to defend their property, but oh. you know that you're not going to please everybody. Uh, but I'm not going to then turn around and say, well, actually, I, I think it was quite good. Actually, no, I didn't. I thought it was, I didn't like it whatsoever. Yeah. But if people do, that's awesome. I was never trying to change anybody's mind. But yes, yeah, so Elijah, if you're listening, all the best with the YouTube, and uh, you've picked a good mentor and a good man to talk to in <laughs> JB. But all the best. Hope to hear. Hope to hear and see from you soon. Yeah, and Elijah, if you are listening, uh, Matt and I both have podcasts where you could be a guest on, so keep that in mind, Rock too. On. Um, that said, we are going to be looking at the, the four major releases um, from October, at least what we've deemed to be major releases, and uh, we'll be discussing them in great detail, but spoiler-free, folks, so nothing to worry about if you've missed these movies. Uh, maybe you've been sitting on the fence, and maybe this conversation will be the thing to get you to go to the box office, drop your money, and walk in and enjoy, or not, a movie. Yes, there's a couple, well, before we jump in, yeah, there's a few on this list which uh, have got an awful lot of buzz for the right reasons, and some which have got buzz for the wrong reasons, and I'm not sure we see eye to eye on all of them. We might do, actually, but I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on them. Me too. That's actually one of my favorite things is, um, Matt and I speak about the movies, uh, and I'll read his reviews sometimes ahead of this show, but generally speaking, I try to reserve uh, knowledge mm-hmm. of your overall opinion on the movies we're going to talk about until we get here, so it's more Same. Uh, like organic to a degree. You know, like I want to I want to react to the information rather than coming with that information in mind already kind of thing, you know? I sit here with John's review in front of me so I can pick it apart and script <laughs> it. 
<laughs> no, I do the same. I try not to. I don't. Yeah, I don't like the stilted, scripted approach. So it works best this way. Yeah, it's a conversation about film, and it's something that yeah. you and I are both super passionate about. That we spend probably, I think, our partners would say too much time. Oh, too much. <laughs> but who are um, they? I don't think I've seen mine for about three weeks. I, yeah, no joke, dude. Um, between my my work schedule and then my movie viewing uh, shenanigans, my my wife and I spend more time apart, but. Uh, luckily, love is it just grows when you're apart, right? It doesn't go away. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Exactly. Um, Must be bloody fond then. <laughs> yeah, we are quite fond of one another. But um, I think uh, I think that's it, folks. We're going to get into the month of October, which was a pretty solid month overall. Yeah, it's it has some of the. It's now we're getting into Oscar season now. Not all of these films, of course, but there's a no. couple which are going to be. <laughs> contenders at the box office for, for sure. various awards but there's a couple which are going to be up for the big ones whether we like it or not it's going to happen definitely yeah there's definitely uh i would say half of the four we picked for the the major movies of this month are are contenders and then the other two are maybe maybe score maybe special effects uh, <laughs> it might yeah maybe probably not though but um but why don't you get us started matt what are we doing first Number one is one of those films which is absolutely going to be at the forefront at the Oscars. It's A Star Is Born, Warner Brothers Pictures, directed by, of course, Bradley Cooper and starring Bradley, uh, Lady Gaga, Andrew Dice Clay, Dave Chappelle and Sam Elliott. This is the fourth iteration of the film, which started 81 years ago, I think in 1937. Mm. And I think for me, the key part of this film was how are they going to make it appealing and engaging, not just to a modern audience, but to us for a film which has seen three other uh, versions of adaptations of it and I think Bradley Cooper has done a fantastic job top level I thought this film was sensational it's it's the typical if you haven't seen the film it's a typical kind of uh, contrasting fortunes of one and then the other they're both going different places but love is what keeps them together and the chemistry between Bradley Cooper and Lady yeah. Gaga, which is still a strange combination in my head, is scintillating. The two of them are so good together. I think this is up there with Bradley Cooper's best performances. Lady yeah. Gaga is, she's immense, I think. she I like her singing anyway. I like most of her stuff. I think she's very, very talented. She's fantastic. She may have, have surpassed Madonna here by actually being nominated, actually winning one of those Academy Awards. She's definitely going to win one whether it's original score, uh, song or it's going to be best actress, whatever, but yeah. she's going to win something. But I thought this film was fantastic. It does. There's a few moments which I could have done not being in there, but as literally only one or two set pieces, but for the most, but for the rest of it, the fit, the performance scenes in this, when they're on stage, yeah. are some of the best I've ever seen. And my advice to anybody is if you catch, if you can catch it at the theater, the biggest and best sound you can get, just for those moments, the kind of documentary feel of it is just fantastic. I like the songs. I like the performances. I was surprised by the performances. I like the emotion they brought. It could have... I, I've seen a lot of people who think it may have been too over the top or too manipulative or emotional. I don't buy that. I think it was played out very well. And I also like Bradley Cooper looks a bit like Eddie Vedder, which is always good for me. So, <laughs> But for me... I thought this was fantastic, and it's going to win awards, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, the history... I You've not seen any of the other iterations of this, right? 
Um, no, uh, no, not well, not for a long time. Um, so these are these are have a history of being melodramatic, and melodrama does get hate, um, which I don't, I don't get. I actually tend, I don't, I wouldn't say I love all melodramas, but I, I don't hate a movie because it's a melodrama. Um, but critics have a history of of doing that with uh, melodrama, and this is without question a melodrama, and that's what they've all been. Now, I've only seen the Judy Garland and James, um, oh man, Mason? That's, yep. That sounds wrong. I think it's James Mason. Okay. And I just watched that like in September, and I, I really, really enjoyed that version of it. And I do feel like this movie suffered only a little bit because of my love for the other one, because mm-hmm. I was constantly comparing the two. Um, and I know I shouldn't do that, but I, I just couldn't not because I be I got so into that one not just because of the movie because of the crazy history and I'd been listening to a podcast that was dealing with the Warner Brothers studios and the Warner Brothers were involved with a lot of the weird history of that 1956 version and so I can kind of became like a nerd about it where I learned a bunch of stuff in it. so I got real into it and so it I could not fight the comparisons um, now that said, I still I really enjoyed Bradley Cooper's take on the film, um, but there were little things that I kept comparing uh, with the with the story and the, how the plot develops, um, which I won't get into details here because we are spoiler free. But there were some some things that I felt were better handled in the original, and um, there was a couple of things that I felt like were were plot holes almost with this new one. Um, one of the early ones, and this happens early in the film, uh, it's indicated that he's having some trouble with his hearing. Yes. And I feel like that whole point is is underplayed to the to the detriment of it wastes time with it, I think. Because I don't feel like it's a detail that ever plays any major factor through the rest of the film, other than once or twice it's mentioned or alluded to, but it's ultimately not treated with the way I thought they were going to treat it. Now, that, again, I said the way I thought, so I'm putting my own expectations onto the film, and that's not fair. You should judge a film for what it does, not what you think it should do. But it did feel like it was a misstep um, while watching it. And not even like a bad one, just, again, a little... Maybe I'm being nitpicky because of my my love for the first one, but uh, I do think the songs are pretty solid, except... There is one line, and I'm trying. I cannot right now think of it, but <laughs> every time I hear the, the the lyric, I'm reminded of the School of Rock song. Um, oh, no, which one? Um, that's the other part. I'm like, because it's it's the specific words. It's something about. Um, oh man, what is it? I I can any other time I could pick it right out of my head, but um, it's the exact same wording though. I think it's the one where the the kid that plays guitar like wrote the song. It's like his song in the movie School of Rock. And there's a line in that song that when she says it, it just triggers that <laughs> connection. It makes me take the song less seriously. I, I wish I could think of what it was. But um, I really do think the performances are solid. It does the, – the the best song, though, is early in the movie. And I do think that is not a bad thing, but it does – like it, it's part of the melodrama. I think it sets the bar really high, and then it kind of – everything goes downhill from there. Um because it is, is that Lady Gaga solo, the the lyric or in general, like the song that's the, really the, great. The song, the song which she thought was the best. Oh, I think the shallow is the best, man. I think the oh, way, shallow, okay, yeah, yeah, 
just the it's so powerful and um the way she comes out on stage and like you know owns it it's just it's such a big scene um i don't know i i again though i enjoyed a lot of it i thought uh, sam elliott has some really great moments oh yeah um dave Chappelle, uh su- the supporting cast and almost completely unrecognizable to me was andrew dice clay um it, it took me the end of the movie to realize that he was her father in the movie like i had I'd never clicked who was playing her dad until it was over and i was like oh my god he is uh he looks he looks rough but you know he's getting up there in age so you know i'm not faulting the guy but um especially since his imdb imdb picture is still his like headshot from like the <laughs> 80s so it, <laughs> it's not easy to compare the two but um yeah i i definitely enjoyed this film um I would not be upset if it wins original song. Uh, and I don't know. Um, Cooper, I mean, his it's definitely one of his best performances. Uh, I would say only maybe Rocket Raccoon is better. Um, but that's just because I really like Rocket Raccoon. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's not yeah. a bad debut for a director, though. No, not at all. And there we have a few actor-director debuts this year. Um, just yeah. from this month, I saw Bradley Cooper, Jonah Hill, and... Uh, Ike Barinholtz, um, all had their d- debuts. Of and course, yeah. All were good, actually. So, you know, good good job uh, transitioning young direct. Yeah. Well, not young for all of them, because Cooper's up there, but... Youngish. Youngish. Blossoming yeah, directors. I, I thought this was good fun. I thought there's a mm. couple of things. I think they've got a dude called Rafi Gavron, who plays a studio executive. Didn't like him very much. I no, but... I thought he was uh, Mr. Stereotype. But, um, but then, uh, in this film, yeah. But I think, and uh, there are times when um, Lady Gaga, you know, kind of become or tunes into her Gaga persona on when she's on mm-hmm. stage, which is noticeable. But it's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But just got to chuck out as well that this was what I think is a forty million dollar budget, and it's currently sitting at two hundred twenty four million worldwide. So nice. for Warner Brothers, they're going to be they're going to be sitting there counting their money tonight, but. I think uh, a lot of people are saying this is the best film of the year. Now, it's in my top 10, I think, so far. Mm. It's going to be nominated for Best Picture, I think. Uh, well, it's going, I think it's going to be nominated for Best Picture. Probably. I think it's going to be nominated for Actor, Actress and um, uh, Director. I'm not sure I think he's going to win all of them, but I think it's going to be nominated for all of those. I would be a little surprised if he gets the Director nod, Um this early but i wouldn't at the same time because the movie's getting so much positive buzz i think that's what's gonna swing it, it mm. i think he's done an awesome job as a at directing it because the editing in this is fabulous i think but which obviously he's gonna have a hand on and the editor of course but i think it, it depends it depends how the rest of the year pans out but i wouldn't be surprised if he got i'd be surprised very surprised if he won it of course but yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he got a nomination or if all of the big contenders got some nomination it's going to be nominated for Best Original Song, and I think it's going to win. Well, I um, I do have, you know, it's it's not in my top twenty uh, for the year, um, <laughs> uh, which is again not to insult the film. Um, I did enjoy it. I did like it. I, I definitely I had a lot more issues with it than I think a lot of people. I I didn't think the editing was great. I actually felt really? I thought it jumped around a bit more. Um, like I I have no sense of time with this movie. I have no idea how long they're together. Um, everything seems like it's happened in like a week, but I'm under the impression it's like three or four years, but I don't feel like that's ever clear. Um, something. And again, 
I am using that 1956 version to compare a lot. The 56 version has the feel of a 56 movie. It is very meandering and it's not in any kind of hurry. Um, the only version that I've seen is a three hour cut of the movie. Um, that was the original intended uh, runtime of the film before uh, the Warner Brothers cut it down because they didn't think people would sit through it. Mm-hmm. And um, this movie's over two hours. I think it's two fifteen, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, um, you know, I, I felt like it moves too quickly at moments where, like the the pacing, uh, we jump here, we jump there, and then even like the endings are similar. And again, I can't, I won't get into what the ending is. I'm just saying they're similar. Um, but I, I have to, I, I know I shouldn't compare it, man. It's just, I cannot, I was so into that first one. Um, and one thing you said that I want to uh, bring up too, is like, this is Bradley Cooper adapting it for the modern age, um, which has been done two other times. Cause the first one was in the thirties, which I've not seen. And for some reason, we skipped the nineties. I really wish we could go back and make a nineties version of this with like, you know, a grunge era, version yeah. of um this movie and interesting too though is the the last christian two Slater. oh man christian slater why not a writer right let's do it you know heathers <laughs> it up but um in the 70s barbara streisand it's a music influenced one this one is music influenced but the uh 56 they're actors and they're doing like musicals um and i think the 36 one they're just actors so at yeah, some yeah. point it transitioned to music so i don't know if we did a 90s one if it would have been music or if it would have been movies um, or both like in 56 and what I would have liked to have seen though is to make this more truly feel of its time would have flipped the roles where the the mentor was the female and the male was the uprising star um, and give that you know kind of interesting just because it, it that's what feels a little archaic about it and I've heard there's a, a really strong article that was sent to me from a co-worker, a co-worker um, that basically says this movie is sexist and propagates this um you know and i i disagree uh i i understood where that person was coming from but um they they point out like because cooper's character sees her at a bar and he like forces her oh um that this movie encourages the culture that no doesn't always mean no Mm. and i totally disagree with that because of his Mm -hmm. intent i don't feel like his intent is ever to manipulate her or get what he wants he is he sees someone who wants something but they're afraid to go after it and he encourages yeah, her blown away by the raw talent as well yeah well yes he 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 sees the talent but so let's say she has raw talent but doesn't want to pursue that and mm-hmm. he forces her that's different than her wanting to pursue it but not having the confidence to do so yeah. because everyone in her life has told her she wasn't good enough here he is saying no no you're more than good enough and I, I I I have a problem with someone turning that into a negative because I want to I want to live in a world where we encourage each other to pursue our dreams and I don't want to like because again I think it's about intent I don't feel like Bradley Cooper's character ever has any malcontent for Lady Gaga's character and so th- those arguments that are out there I, I don't I'm not saying you're wrong I'm saying I'm coming at it with a very different perspective and um, I hope it's a right one because I feel like his character only wants the best for her and we can root for them to, to be together and it's not wrong. Yeah, if anything, he's the only thing he's really guilty of is, you know, caring too much at times. But mm-hmm. that's love. I don't think anybody's ever had a moment where they, they're with somebody 
and everybody's had those moments of I don't know uh, self doubt and and worry or even jealousy. It, but that boils down to even if it's even if it's twisted in the weirdest way, it still boils down to the fact that you care about someone. And yeah, I didn't take it. I didn't. Ne- I never took it that Bradley Cooper was in a bar scouting for girls and yeah. decided to pick up this young chick and think, "Well, this is going to be a great night." It doesn't play out like that. But and even more, if, he's if had you a saw it like that. Then of course that's 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 your opinion. But yes. it it didn't work like that for me. I I, I agree with you there. Yeah, and I I just I want to point that out because. I would have liked, you know, to, to flip the roles, to let the let the female be the mentor and, and see how that plays. You know, I'm okay with that. And honestly, this could have been, uh, you know, a lesbian couple or a gay couple, and that could have been a little more progressive or modern. But again, just doing it to be that isn't right either. You know, it needs to be organic to the story that's being told. Maybe that wouldn't have been a story Cooper could tell. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm still in shock with eighth grade that Bo Burnham could write a story from an eighth grade female perspective. And from I've heard from so many uh, high school females who have seen the movie that he nailed it, that he spot on perfectly wrote this movie. And that's wow. Can you imagine putting your head into that kind of a space of something you can't ever truly have been yet, you know, nailing that kind of story? So it's it's again, it's not impossible, but it is you have to be in that headspace to pull it off. So I, I want Cooper to tell the story that he wants to tell and we can, you know, judge it as that. And I, I liked it for the most part and it's definitely a compelling film. And I do recommend, like you said, Matt, see it in the theater. If you can get, I got to see it in a Dolby theater. So it has like mm-hmm. Supreme sound, which made it like a concert experience. So exactly. If you can see it like that, that's definitely how this movie's made to be seen. Um, and like, the. Uh, there is some really good cinematography in this film too, and I don't want to undersell that because it is. You don't think a movie of uh, like a musical drama is going to have a whole lot of awesome visuals, but there's some really cool perspectives that he uses. the The stage performances when we're with him on stage are fantastically shot. Like, I really, really enjoyed those sequences a whole lot. So, yeah, I thought I felt like I was on stage watching a rockumentary, like a behind the scenes. Um, rock and roll gig like a dvd i bought of a band i enjoyed it was that have kind of feel to it but i just want to throw out there was a 2013 bollywood film which was based on this story so i guess there's been oh. four other versions but i just want to throw some names out for you because this is bradley cooper's directorial debut but just i'm going to rattle through these quick clint eastwood was actually originally due to direct with beyonce in the lead role oh and he then told he then said he wanted the inspiration to be kurt cobain for the story uh, and he wanted Christian Bale or DiCaprio, Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp or Will Smith to play the lead. Obviously, none of that happened. Beyonce left. And then Bradley Cooper came on, was in talks to star with Eastwood still doing it. And uh, Esperanza Spalding to play the female lead. Mm. He then left. And then then, then Ray Liotta was going to join as uh, Lady Gaga's manager. And uh, then we got Sam Elliott, obviously came in. But um, Andrew Dice Clay was going to be potentially... Select, he was selected over Robert De Niro, John Travolta, and John Turturro. So there were some massive names which were wow. uh, which were attached to this project or rumoured for this project. But it's one of those things where it's easy to say in hindsight, and I do say this a lot, but I can't imagine anybody else in this iteration of the film. The, the chemistry between Cooper and Gaga, somehow, not, not because they're not good actors, but it just seemed like such a strange mismatch. It works, this, and Lady Gaga is supremely talented, but imagine yeah. having Christian Bale uh, alongside Beyonce. 
that would be just a, a strange match, but it could work. Or I having mean, John Travolta as the father. Bale has proven himself to be uh, a chameleon when it comes to every movie he mm. does, so would have been great for sure. Um, I, I wouldn't have been surprised with De Niro because Cooper and De Niro have worked on a few of the David O. Russell films together. Yeah, have, yeah. Um, so you know they definitely have a rapport. Um, but yeah, Lady One, it's almost unfair. And I, I, these are I wish this was an original thought, or at least I wish I was the first one to say this. But Bradley Cooper is kind of a jerk. Not because of what he's done, just because he's, it's not fair that he gets to be good at all the things he's good at, because even his singing is good, and he helped write the songs. Like, where Willie Nelson's boy helped write them, yeah. Yeah, like, come Lucas on, man. Nelson. Can't you just be the good-looking actor? Do you have to have, like, everything? Like, you're a good director now, too, and you can sing, and you can make your voice deeper over the period of a year for some reason? A better beard than me. Yeah, uh, man. Because even, like, Sam Elliott, there's that, like, little joke about him stealing his stuff, but he really sounds like Sam Elliott in this movie. <laughs> like, his yeah, voice yeah. is so deep uh, compared to his other roles. But uh, his deep charm, Sam man. Elliott's mustache. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, Sam Elliott, I have, I've become a big fan of his over the last couple of years. I know he's been around for a l- way longer, but the movie The Hero um, from last mm-hmm. year, I think, I, I was just so into that film, and... I, I think I mentioned earlier when it, with Summer 84, it's sometimes it's the headspace you're in when you watch a movie. I put the hero on like on a Sunday morning. I was alone. I had a cup of coffee. And that movie was just like perfect for that moment. That's actually one of my – and I watched it on a laptop. So like it wasn't even like a, a best viewing experience. But it was one of my favorite watching of a film. Like I just felt so into the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, – I, because of that, I've been like a big, big Sam Elliott. Like if he's in something, I'm like, yes, I want to watch it. And so I was really happy uh, with him in this movie um, as well, even though he doesn't have a huge part. But he, you know, his he gets some stuff to do, and it's it's his stuff is great. So yeah, he gets an an integral enough part. And yeah, Bradley Cooper's broken out of the Family Guy mold that they made for him. That he's never quite there to make the leading man. Well, he certainly certainly is now. And the star is born. I, for me, it's it is in my top ten. We'll see where it goes, where it stays at the end of the year. But yeah, I'm gonna hedge my bets now that this wins fairly big at the at the Oscars. Yeah, we La still La got a Land lot, style. We still got a lot of stuff to come out though, so we'll have to wait and exactly. see. Um, there's a lot of little indie films that I'm super pumped about, um, especially Green Green Book. But I don't know mm-hmm. if uh, Green Book will have that kind of sway. I, I'm hoping for at least actor nods for that, but. Um, oh, for sure. And we've got Bumblebee. Who, who knows? Best picture. I mean, hey, Travis Knight behind the wheel on that one. So let's see. Uh, Interesting. Not Michael Bay. Um, God. And Haley Steinfeld, who's actually a quality actress. Unlike I, uh, The Age of 17 is the best coming of age story of the last few years. I, I like that. I'm going to argue Lady Bird better, but okay. <laughs> no. I liked Lady Bird, but I didn't buy into the into the excruciating hype. Everybody oh, was hyping it i liked it yeah i thought it had some great moments in it and i thought it looked good but i don't know i think when just just to go off kilter sorry when it came out and it had the 100 percent rotten tomatoes or tomatoes mm-hmm. whatever and everybody was saying you know this is one of the only films to have it it's hard this is what i try not to read into hype or reviews before because i went into the film expecting to literally have every emotion i've ever felt or never felt after watching this film, and when I watched it, I just thought it was pretty good. Mm. Uh, I think I gave it, I don't know, about seven and a half out of ten because it was just a very good 
coming of age film with some good moments. They're obviously well directed and well acted, but I just thought the edge of seventeen for me had more going for it. It got it again, like that's hub subjective thing. It hit me yeah. more than, than well, other films. I, I love Edge of Seventeen. By no means do I wanna imply that I don't. I wish more people mm-hmm. have seen both of those films because I think they're both excellent. Yes. Um, and well Haley Steinfeld, though, does give uh, a tremendous performance. And Haley Lou Richardson, who I am a big, big fan of, yes. she just, um, if you've not seen Columbus, uh, I can't stress how great that movie is. It is not one I think will resonate with everybody because it's definitely quiet and contemplative. But my God, John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson in Columbus is whew, such a great one. Um, all right, we can't we can't talk about every amazing movie though, so we got to get <laughs> to the next uh, next film for October, uh, which I guess we probably should have ended with, but we're going we're going early. Um, we're gonna go with Halloween, uh, the new Halloween, which I want to say right out the gate, Matt. I hate that the title of this movie is Halloween. <laughs> it's you know? a good sequel to it Halloween. Is. Yeah, it's like, and we don't mean the Halloween that Rob Zombie did. No, no, <laughs> we mean the John Carpenter <laughs> Halloween. And uh, I, I don't know why they didn't opt for some kind of subtitle. Even like Halloween 2018 would have been sufficient for me. Um, but the movie is directed by David Gordon Green, co-written with uh, David Gordon Green, Danny McBride. Um, he stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Andy uh, Matichok, I'm guessing. Um, not sure. We have two different people listed as the the shape, which is the Michael Myers, Michael Myers character. Um, James Jude Courtney and Nick Castle. Yep. Um, we get Will Patton, who I am a fan of, uh, as uh, Officer Hawkins. Um, Haluk Billinger as Doctor Sartain. And yes, I I kill the uh, enunciations. Um, and then the last two I want to mention only because they start the movie off, and they are podcasters. Uh, Ryan Reese as uh, Dana Haynes and Jefferson Hall as Aaron Corey. Um, I love that they brought podcasting into the Halloween the true universe. crime podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, the movie is uh, a, a sequel from the John Carpenter first Halloween from 1978, uh, 40 years later, both in real life and in the movie. Um, the, the moments from that film continue. And I am a big fan of the John Carpenter one. Um, I don't like all of them, although I actually did like the second one enough. I like Michael Myers as a character. And to be fair, I kind of like 80 slasher movies in general. I don't think they're good. I said I like them. And that's, you know, I enjoy uh, rooting for Jason and the, the kills get more over the top and inventive. Um, this So I was really pumped about seeing this movie, uh, so much so that I went on a school night to a 1030 screening at a theater that is 30 minutes away from my house um, because that was the only time I could see it ahead of uh, the weekend. And I don't regret that decision, man. I still I had a good time with this. Um, I don't think it's it's uh, flawless, but I I enjoyed it. Um, it's a darker tale, and I think it makes sense. There are definitely things that don't make sense in the plot. Um, I there are some things I I don't know that I like some of the choices, uh, but the humor that is built into some certain scenes I thought worked for me. Um, that's you know you can definitely feel Danny McBride's like fingerprints on this movie. Um, and I think it was a really serviceable sequel, um, in the, on the long run, especially, uh, John Carpenter came back and did the score for this, which I don't think he'd done since the second film or something like that. So, um, I kind of take that as like a nod from the original creator that this movie's 
solid and uh, his seal of approval, if you will. Um, also, to throw out, I like Halloween 3. It's really bad, but man, yeah. do I love that movie. Um, Season of the Witch, folks. Uh, give it a watch. But what are your thoughts, Matt? Did you like Halloween? I did. I went to see this when it came out on opening night. I I liked the first, or the original, Semtown. I know it's held up as a classic for what it did to the slasher genre. I don't think it's a classic horror film per se in terms of is it one of the best? I don't think it's one of the best. I like a lot of it, but mm. it's not one of the greatest horror films I've ever seen in my entire life. I also like the fact that for this film, they've just David Gordon Green and Bloomhouse, as it turns out, have just basically wiped us and Universal wiped the slate clean. Everything that came after the first film doesn't matter about that. Gone. In the end, we don't care about that, which in one way I like because it ties it to that first film, you know, cohesively and doesn't have to try and weed its way through all the other sequels and prequels and everything else that came after it. But about this film, I thought it was pretty good. There was, there's a lot of callbacks to that, to that first film. So if you get annoyed easily by references and sometimes very yeah. on the nose references, you may, that may not float your boat too much. There are times when I just think, uh because they were quite some of them they do play for tongue in cheek but there are quite a lot and even some of the set pieces are quite similar but the most important thing I wanted was to have a Michael Myers Michael Myers who was terrifying and in mm. this film Michael Myers is is just a monster he is and he's always been but and this he's vicious he is the evil that they mentioned in the first film he's yeah. just he gets some absolutely savage kills in this film, which makes me sound like a bloodhound, but I'm really not. But it, he's an icon of the genre, and they really played him up in this film, I think. I think they really did him good service. And you mentioned that they got um, John Carpenter back, I think the executive producer's film. I know that Jamie Lee Curtis was in, what, H2O, and I think the second Halloween. But yeah. the, the fact they managed to entice her back is a big deal, and she's fantastic in this film, I think. She really yeah. is... Because again, the film is set forty years after the original, and she's and it kind of it, it focuses a lot on how she's dealt with the events of that film, and I think she is brilliant because because she could have easily hammed it up and you know really been quite embarrassing, but she's very good in the role. She's restrained when she needs to be and lets loose at the right time, shall we say? So the so the main two, Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, great. I thought they were characterised brilliantly. The uh, so the humour was good. The young boy in it, uh, whose name eludes me, Jabril Nantambu, he's only about mm. eight or something like that, but he gets the best lines of the entire film. Super funny. So funny. I was laughing more than I thought was at this film, but I like the again. I like the score. It's got that lovely fall feel to it, or autumn feel to it, and I am a sucker for any film which is set around that time. We've got the leaves falling, the Halloween mask, the colours, the pumpkins. I'm a massive fan of all that, but it's. In a in a world where we're getting a lot of PG thirteen horror, to hear, have an R rated horror, which really did actually, you know, bring the violence, if you will, yeah. which the story needed, this worked for me. It's not the best film again. It's not the best film of the year. No, it's not up there for me. It's not down there at all for me either. I had a great time with this for a horror film. It is one of the best horror films of the year, and it's a good return of, to form for the slasher genre. I think yeah. they are going to do a sequel because this film is bringing in the bucks. It They're going to do it. I'm interested to see where it goes. I hope they try to be, try to take the story a little bit more in an original sense. I know Jamie Lee Curtis said she'd absolutely be up for it 
if David Gordon Green comes back. But oh, I had a. I thought this film was. It, I had a lot of fun with it. And again, I'm not one who needs gore, blood, and death. But I had a lot of fun with it. There were times in it where I was watching Michael Myers just do his thing and thinking that is awesome. And he is made out. And some of the I've got to say, some of the uh, camera techniques in this film harken back oh. to the original with the slow dolly shot cams and the tracking shots and what they do with what they do with Michael Myers' character, making him the shape. He's in the shadows and yeah. the use of light or or sometimes motion sensors. I had a, such a good fun time with it, and yeah, I would recommend it. It's not the best horror film uh, of all time. It's not the best Sash film. It's not the best Halloween film. I still think the first one is marginally better because because uh, I think it was a lot. It was a lot smaller, uh, more intimate, and it was more focused at times. This film does feel a little bit all over the place and getting from A to B and where it needs to be. It kind of jumps around a lot more and feels a bit bigger than that first film. But mm-hmm. hell, if you want to see Michael Myers do bad Michael Myers things, then you're going to have a blast here. Yeah, and if you want to see Jamie Lee Curtis uh, return to form. Um, from her, you know, Scream Queen origins, I think that works uh, really she well takes here. Takes the crown back here. Yeah, and um, I would say, uh, like overall, uh, from big wide release horror from this year, it's in the top three. I think uh, only Hereditary, I think, is ahead of it in my head. I can't think of another. It, yeah. I haven't seen Suspiria yet, so that might uh, push this one down. But, um. Like most of the horror that we've seen this year in wide release, so I'm not talking about like because even Hereditary barely had wide release. Like that just got enough, I think, to qualify as wide release. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, you think Winchester, Truth or Dare, uh, First Purge, um, Fifteen Seventeen to Paris. Does that count? Oh man, I've heard bad <laughs> things about that movie. That's a bad film. Um, uh, you got Insidious, the last key came out. Oh, I forgot all about that one. I didn't even see that one. Rings, I think, so was in January, right? Um, um, or was that last year? I can't that was even... last year. That was... Okay. Lots of bad horror comes out, and Halloween is uh, on the other side of that. So it's uh, sure there are things you can nitpick, and there's definitely things that you may or may not like about any horror film because sometimes horror just doesn't resonate. Um, and one of the things I hate about horror films uh, is not the films themselves. It's the people that team seem yes. to go on opening night because Matt and I both had bad experiences at our, our screenings with with other people just being rude, uh, talking during the movie. I, I had people show up an hour into the movie. Same um, here. 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, come on. Why even come to the freaking movie at that point? You know, you, like you just want to see the end. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be that. But I'm going to put myself on a pedestal now. If you come to a theater whether you're in the United States, England, Australia, Canada, India, New Zealand, I don't care. If you sit on your phone, you're an idiot. If you talk all the way through it, you're an idiot. If you if you disturb other people who have paid to see this film, you're an idiot. I get some people don't like certain films, but get up and go. Don't yeah. ruin everybody else's experience. I'm not yeah. going to go any further than that, but I'm renting. Because in this film, people were talking, and it winds me up. And the first, first thing people say to me is, well, why don't you go over and tell them to shut up? Because I want to sit down. I don't want to have to get up and tell other people to speak. Oh, I want to watch the film. There should yeah. be people doing that for me. I'm paying my money as a, as a customer. But, yeah, if you do any of those things or just be a nuisance, then oh, don't. Just don't. And if you could turn up half an hour to an hour late. Oh, Go to the yeah. next show. Yeah. yeah. Go to the next screening. And, like, I, Ran I, over. I went – I also saw mid-90s, I mentioned uh, a bit ago. And behind me, 
two people were talking like the whole movie and i'm just like why are you here then like why if you want to have a conversation go get a cup of coffee go have that conversation i'm not opposed to you having your conversation just pick the right venue of where to have it a movie is not that place you Um, can go for more like you can go more than two hours without looking at your phone people yes and we live and die by our phones because we update a lot of our a lot of our blogs and websites buy our phone, but we still don't sit there on a phone during a film. Yeah, we have respect. Um, uh, yeah, so Halloween, we both liked. Um, it's definitely, I, I do think it's one of the more enjoyable horror films I've seen this year. Again, uh, not necessarily, it's not in my top 10 or anything like that for the year, but I, I did like it. Um, it, it, and it's, it seems to be pulling in audiences, man. It came out, you know, obviously the right time of year. And uh, I'm happy with it, so I'm I'm I will see a sequel, even though I I don't think there's much left to tell of this story. Um, yeah, I I'll still see it. Uh, I saw most of the other sequels too, and I, while a lot of them got real bad, I still enjoyed most of them because I, I, there's something about the slasher genre that I just kind of I don't know. I just have always been able to throw it on, and like I don't just even like have to give it a whole of my attention. I just look up at the right moments, and then I go about my business like i said i've always been with friday the 13th like i love all of them they're all bad like even, the first one's great and then it, and i don't even know if great's fair i enjoy the first <laughs> one a lot and it progressively gets uh schlockier and sillier but i still enjoy them um and i, I don't know i i kind of like the uh the monsters from the 80s slasher like i like mike myers and i like um freddy krueger and freddy I like krueger Jason. and nightmare on elm street was guilty of that the a new nightmare was great Good. Mm-hmm. The first Nightmare on Elm Street is one the mar- marvelous. Dream Warriors is good because it has those moments in it, but everything else is just <laughs> not good at all. Um, yeah, I liked Halloween. Ghost Stories, um, a Veronica Spanish film, and a Quiet Place edged this out in terms of my favorite horrors of the year. But I think for me, this You're is right. my fourth favorite horror. And Ghost, I mean, Ghost Stories is a horror anthology which we have spoken about, but still yeah. the number one for me. I had a, just a good time with it. I actually, I would, I would put that in my number two. Um, I did, I, I guess I saw it at a film festival, so I wasn't thinking of it as a wide release. But and I still haven't watched Veronica. Um, that's what it's called. Veronica, yes. Yeah, the guy who Paco Plaza who wrote Wreck, which is one of my some of my favorite horror films. He's uh, he's in charge of that film, and um, it's on Netflix. So if you get a chance, check it out. Yeah, I need to do that. All right, I think we're heading into our uh, the atmosphere here, Matt. We are. We're, go- we're we're taking a ship and we're going into outer space. And hopefully, we can go and find David Bowie up there as well. It's First Man, Damien Chazelle's uh, biopic of Neil Armstrong, and of course, it stars everybody's handsome leading man, Ryan Gosling, the marvelous Claire Foy, Corey Stoll, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler, Pablo Schreiber, Lucas Haas, and Patrick Fugit. I believe his name is. Um, Everybody knows how this film goes. It's a bit like Titanic. We know where it goes. You've got Neil Armstrong. He's the first man to walk on the moon. So obviously history in the making. So this film focuses more on the man himself and his journey from being a uh, lowly engineer. Again, no disrespect, but that's how he is portrayed as an engineer to becoming the most well, immortal, essentially, in history. Um, it, I... Uh, this is a film which I really, really wanted to think was out of this world. And I came away just thinking it was good. It was very good. It was, yeah, I wouldn't say it's just good. I thought it was very, 
I think I put in my review that when it was good, it was bloody good. But when it wasn't, it just kind of meandered a bit too much for me. It was yep. this was never going to be. It wasn't going to be like Armageddon or anything silly like that, where it was just explosion or Michael Bay, where it is you know full on excitement all the time. And it certainly didn't need to be, but it did kind of plod along because it got a fairly fairly chunky runtime for its subject. I think it's 141 minutes, so it, it takes its time with its story. And if it wasn't for Claire Foy's character, who I think is the glue that holds it all together, I think she's brilliant in this film as Neil Armstrong's wife. She is the uh, Janet Armstrong. She's the best part of the film. Ryan Gosling's getting mixed reviews for his performance, his muted performance. But mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong's hardly the most you know celebrated celebrity of all, charismatic celebrity of all time. I thought he was good in this film, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. But I think this film is going to be looked at more favourably on is the technical aspects of it. The cinematography is superb in this film. The camera work, I liked the, sort of the tight shots on Gosling slash Neil Armstrong's face. And the sound design is fabulous as well. We've mentioned before together that there are certain scenes in this which are quite you know, scattered in and moments which are quite brutal or they're visceral. And the sound design is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Hurwitz's score, I thought, was stunning. I thought it was fantastic. And moments of this do have a kind of Kubrick feel to it. It's inevitable with how it's in yeah. the time period it's set in. But I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. So for me, when yeah, when it when it was good, it was mesmerising. But when it wasn't, it didn't... I wouldn't say it didn't work for me, but it didn't grab me like I wanted to. There's been controversy about the non-planting of the American flag. And from an Englishman there's an awful lot of, you know, good about America in this film. There's flags everywhere. There's the space race. There's not all awful, obviously, pro-America. And mm-hmm. I know it's the president, shall we say, who brought up most of this, but I don't think we needed that. We got at the end, we got something completely different, which we're not going to go into, of course, but I I didn't need to see the flag plan at the end of the film no. to know that what happened. It's, it's well, a story you, that's been told before. You see it waving in the movie. It's not like it's not there. It's just you don't yeah. see them do the action, which you don't need to because, I mean, the movie already meandered for an hour and 45 minutes. Um, exactly. We don't need to spend five more minutes with people hammering into it. But um, I also uh, – I am I love Whiplash and La La Land. Mm-hmm. Um, Damien Chazelle, I, I was thinking, could do no wrong. And while I won't say he did wrong – it definitely did not click for me. Um, I, I would say uh, I gave this, if I were doing my rating system, I gave it a decent watch rating, which was not where I expected. I was expecting to walk out of this movie floored and just, um, you know, revitalize my love of Chazelle and, and Gosling, who is uh, normally listed as my favorite actor. I, I love him mm-hmm. in so many movies, and not just the two, uh, not just La La Land, but um, Drive, uh, Blue Valentine. The Nice Guys. Uh, yeah, oh my god, I loved him in the nice guys. And um okay. So I you know, and I'm okay with the stoic performance. Um I think I think it fits the character, but I I never felt any connection to Neil Armstrong in this movie. Um which surprised me, but a lot of the uh the, the way the story t- is told, I felt kind of disconnected to the point and I I don't usually fall asleep. <laughs> in movies <laughs> and i uh, had to fight myself to not fall asleep wow during the moon sequence man like that's the thing that's the moment that it's supposed to be 
the best scene. Moment. And I'm like nodding off, like, oh my god, can this end yet? And <laughs> um, I, I didn't go late. I went to a 4:40 screening. Now, the, I will admit, my my body usually starts to feel tired around like six. And then I wake up again at like seven and I, I function until I go to bed at like 11. About four in the morning, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I, I was really shocked that I started nodding off. And um, I, I think the only other film that I remember this year doing that to me was Winchester. Um, <laughs> and I was just like so ready to leave Winchester. And I kind of was with this too. Like it, it is like I use this as an example. Um, Lincoln. Spielberg's Lincoln with Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis. The last scene of that movie is something everyone should un- anticipate. It's it's the signing of the amendments that Lincoln had fought for. And we have Lincoln in his office in the Oval Office and we have the the people in Congress de- you know debating and signing and it's cutting back and forth and it's so tense and I was I remember watching it and thinking what's going to happen and then realizing <laughs> that I know what's going to happen yet feeling so sucked in and i never felt that in this movie i was never worried for neil armstrong and i don't know if that's me and not feeling connected to the character or if it's chazelle and how he presents the tension um but i i never was like i never felt any ounce of of tension with him now there is another moment in the film that deals with something related that i did get like felt intense and i thought there were some great sequences in this movie i I, like i said i'm not saying this is a bad movie it just it it just felt like a middle of the the row movie something that is completely forgettable and that is shocking to me um now i've heard some other you know reviews rave about this film and i think ultimately it boils down to if you can connect with the themes that chazelle's really working with um and I didn't. Uh, I didn't with this take, and it took me out of the movie. Um, so, first man for me was just, you know, run of the mill, uh, skippable, unless you are really, really into space. Or um, and even that, like, I never felt like uh, they made Armstrong feel like an expert. Um, they definitely didn't make us feel like we knew that he knew what he was doing. Like, there are parts where he's in the ships. And it looks like he's just randomly flipping switches to me. Like, it doesn't look like he has any real knowledge of what to do. And that was shocking to me. Um, there is, like, some scenes of him doing math, which I guess implies that he knows what he's doing. But ultimately, like, it, there was no sense of, like, especially when you look at Chazelle's other films where, like, the people were, like, masters at their craft. Like, the, I didn't feel like that with Armstrong in this movie. Like, I felt like he was... And I, I, that is a theme that uh, Claire Foy's character states is that you're just boys, you know, playing games kind of thing. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe that's true. Maybe this was we were so far, we were jumping so far ahead trying to compete with the the Russians that we were taking risks that we shouldn't have been taking. Um, but at the same time, it was like that it felt at odds with other things the movie was saying. And so I just, I don't know. I I, I wanted to love this movie. I actually thought I just I just kind of thought I would love this movie and then I didn't so yeah yeah the ingredients were there it, everything was right to like this film mm-hmm. but I'm with you yeah I I think we've agreed that I 
I look on this film with a slightly more positive view than you did, I think, because I liked that moon landing scene, that, the, the the moments on the moon, sorry. I thought some of them were quite beautiful. I really mm. liked that. And I um, thought they were beautiful too. I just, apparently not enough to put me to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just on that quickly, the last film, that the last true film based on a true story to actually really grab me was Frost Nixon. I really believe that um, David Frost was going to take down Richard Nixon. Then I remembered it's based on a true story. He didn't necessarily but uh, if you haven't seen that film awesome film I mean, uh, what I would be most interested in is obviously could never happen but I would love to have known what the man himself Neil Armstrong would have thought about this film mm. and how he would have seen it from his eyes obviously as his experiences and what Gosling's take on his on him was and and uh, and the mission itself I would have loved obviously to have known his thoughts on it which sadly obviously we can't get now but I'd have been very interested in that if there was ever a chance to have to have got that. But yeah, I I I, I agree with you pretty much for the most part. There, this is a film I I automatically thought I was going to like that. I even like the poster, but mm-hmm. I yeah I want I came out disappointed and I watched it with my uh, scintillating partner and she said that she actually she really was she was so excited to see this film and came away so disappointed. So I, I asked her afterwards, I did what what did you think about it? I could tell by her face. And she's like, well, I don't really know, actually. Yeah, it was okay, I suppose. I think she was expecting to just be absolutely flawed. Yep. And also, she likes Ryan Gosling. Who doesn't? Um, yeah. But it, that kind of sums it up for me as well. Is that so many people, like me, you, and others, have gone into it. I think just automatically expecting to be knocked out because it's Chazelle, because it's Ryan Gosling, because of the story, because of Claire Foy, and Claire Foy, in fact, is the best part of the film for me. I think, but. Yeah, I I really wanted to like it, um, but other than Claire Foy and that score from Justin Hurwitz, yeah, it was disappointing because I was so hyped for it. Actually, um, I actually really liked uh, Jason Clark in this movie, and I don't often like him, um, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize. But uh, with Winchester, and then um, he's in Mudbound from last year, I think. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like two other movies I've seen him in recently, and I'm just like. I don't see his appeal, and I liked him here um, more than I've liked him in anything else. Um, he's in one of the Planet of the Apes movies, right? Yeah, he is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. He's in. He's, yeah. He was also in Terminator Genesis. The poor guy. Ooh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in right. Pet Cemetery coming out next year, so he yeah. can he can he, help himself there. That looks like the right casting to me for for Pet Cemetery, though. I kind of feel like yeah. he he has the right look for that role, but. Um, yeah, I think, uh, man, I, I honestly would never thought I would be ready to like move on from a Chazelle film, but I think I'm ready to move on from the Chazelle film if you'd like to uh, get to our last movie. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie-verse as something for everyone, so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. This is uh, this is your movie. I'm going to let is. you run with this one. Um, it's Venom from uh, director um, Ruben Flesher. You know the guy who's brought us some actually good movies, but also some bad movies. Um, brought us Zombieland, but brought us Gangster yeah. Squad. So you yeah. know, um, stars Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, kind of uh, Riz Ahmed, um, and really Jenny Slate, and everybody else is kind of. I guess Scott Hayes right. and Reed Scott deserve to be mentioned because they have some prominent roles, but it's really those four. 
and uh, Jenny Slate is a, maybe even an overstatement to say she's in this movie, but uh, yeah, um, let's be real. Venom is bad. It is a bad <laughs> movie, but holy crap, is Tom Hardy freaking enjoyable. Uh, when Eddie Brock um, acquires powers, blah, 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 blah. It has a 35 on Metascore right now, um, which is super low. And it's it's rightfully so, because the movie is garbage. But I had so much fun watching Venom that I was, <laughs> like, beside myself. I, I would, like, comment to myself, like, oh, this is awful. And what is with this? But Eddie Brock and the uh, inner monologue he has with himself, or I guess it's an inner dialogue, as it's two different voices. Uh, it's him and Venom talking to each other, which apparently he does the voice of both, which he is impressive. Um, it's better than his... Uh, double impression from legend which i don't hate but uh you know there's it was hard to hear to me I in that movie. yeah i liked the movie but i had a hard time hearing him like the sound mix i thought was not good um not, not quite the first iteration of bane which nobody yes. can understand um but man venom there's a scene with a lobster tank i won't say what happens but that scene alone cracks me up and apparently that was tom hardy's idea um and that's just it hardy is owning this character and he he crushed it enough to make it totally enjoyable but it is a bad movie there's tons of issues the uh, Riz Ahmed who um I got to just see in the Sisters Brothers um and I didn't realize he was in uh, Rogue One until I was watching Sisters Brothers oh yeah um uh, he's so good and yet he's this caricature of a villain in Venom and it's such a stereotype and it's like what if Mark Zuckerberg became Lex Luthor almost? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. The Michelle Williams character. Um, she's such a great actress. And I would say she's just kind of going through the motions here. Um, and Jenny Slate. I, I, I really like Jenny Slate. Um, she's really good. And get, uh, is it gifted? Yeah. Mm -hmm. With uh, Chris Evans. Like, Oh man, she's so good in that movie. Um, and then uh, she's, landline i think is another film that she's um that she's really great in Rings of Bell. um it was super indie uh, i watched it on prime i think and um here she's she's not so great and the in the trailer she irritated me because she called it a symbiote instead symbiote, of, yeah, yeah <laughs> which they did change in the film so i was at least happy they got that right but um yeah uh, i was kind of shocked because i totally went in with my eyes ready to roll uh, over and over again while I watched this movie and I ended up having a fun time with it. So I still argue that it's bad, but super enjoyable. Before I say anything more, the uh, the best way of summing this film up is a Rotten Tomatoes critics, 30% audience score, 87%. So yeah. it, yeah, it, a lot of people went for this film and just had a blast. I'm absolutely, I'm definitely on your side there. Venom as a film is not good. Venom as a sort of strange experience was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy and Venom, the symbiote, symbiote, sorry, together, are awesome. There's some really funny moments between them, intentionally funny scenes, moments, dialogue, and I loved them together. And I like Tom Hardy in pretty much anything. I'm pretty much guaranteed to enjoy a film with Tom Hardy, and even if the film itself is not very good. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I went into this film expecting it to be very you know very bad not good at all but i <laughs> enjoyed it what can i say there's yeah we mentioned riz ahmed his accent in this film is awful 
You know, his attempt at an American accent is bad, but <laughs> on on Rogue One, I watched that last night. Second best behind Empire. Um, he's also in a film called Una from last year, which is in my top ten, I think, top fifteen. Really mm. good film, Ben Mendelsohn. Um, but oh. yeah, I, I liked it. it. People have said this film's what ten, twelve, fifteen years too late. Yeah. Um, for a comic book film, but it because I've had it, I did say it's worth pointing out there were some good comic book films back then, which had that kind of element of fun. This film it is kind of late to the party because it does feel like a throwback but it, it I enjoyed it the, the CGI is better than it is in the trailer I've got to say yeah. not much but it's still better there's a post credit stinger in it not going to say what it is but you know check it out it's a comic book film there was going to be one in it and we've I've spoken about this with John the clamour which I don't know if it's just 14 year old kids or just comic book fans or just people who want to see Blank Guts but there was a lot of people saying they really wanted this. It needed to be. It had to be an R-rated film. And I guess by the source material, to an extent, because of what Venom does in the comics, he likes to chomp on people's craniums. It people wanted it to be. But I think it worked just fine as a PG-13. Yeah. My argument was, which I spoke with John about, was had you seen some of the more violent sh- scenes, which are implied on screen, would it have made it a better film? I don't think it would have enhanced my experience of the film other than thinking, yeah, that was really good. But had it been R-rated, then fine. But I don't think it needed to be. It didn't need to be any more graphic or violent than it than it, than it is already. And I don't know. Um, I guess one of them... Yeah. I had a good time with the film. It's a bad film. I had a good time. You get a sexy Venom as well in it if you're into that. So, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really build more on what... John said because it is yeah. just that it's a bad film which I, is just enjoyable it's not the worst film of the year I'm going to throw that yeah. out there not the worst film of the year Slender Man but it, I had <laughs> a good fun with this I will say um, there's a early montage where we see Eddie Brock's work that really sets up the fact that it's a bad film I think that's like that scene is <laughs> like yeah we don't know what we're doing um, and here's proof and it, it's such a weird like out of nowhere montage and it it just is so unnecessary um it feels like and i also think it dates the movie it feels like something like from the 90s it doesn't yeah it doesn't flow with current film trends and um other than that though like like that again it sets the bar but hardy is so much fun he's he looks like he's having fun doing this yes Um, and i do love the character venom i'm a huge spider-man fan batman is my number one but spider-man is a close second um so much so that I bought a PS4 just to be able to play the new Spider-Man game. Um, not lying. And, you know, I, I, Venom is a part of that universe. And um, Todd McFarlane uh, created Venom, from my understanding. And I'm a, I, I was a Spawn fan, too, when I was growing up. So there's a lot about the character that I'm already kind of into. And it was weird having him without Spider-Man and not having that connection uh, to that universe. But... I still think it it works as an enjoyable, you know, throwaway film. And I will say what it does better than most of the Warner Brothers comic book movies or the DC comic book movies is it has fun. Like, that's the thing that was missing in uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Um, It's there in Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman has an edge of fun. There is drama. There is seriousness. There is there are stakes. But even uh, I would even argue that the third act of venom is better than the third act of wonder woman i have major issues with how that movie ends and Mm. venom maybe it's not better 
but it good it's it's still better than Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice's third act for sure and it it might be better than Justice League even though Justice League tried to interject some fun it felt forced it felt like oh no people think we're too dark um make a laugh quick yeah exactly do Venom, a joke yeah. Venom felt very organic and it, it's dark humor but if you get into that um it's it's super zany and crazy, but I, I do want to give an indie movie a plug though. If you liked Venom, if you saw Venom and you liked that kind of combination, check out Upgrade. Um, yeah, Upgrade dog, has yeah. a really sim- similar dynamic between the main character and a inner voice. Um, I won't even say how the inner voice comes to be, but uh, there's a lot of like little humor. It's much it's much more violent, and it's very. Uh, it's, I was really floored by the story of that film and. Um, a, a lot of people have seen it actually I've been really surprised with the number of my students who saw it because it did get a little bit of a theatrical run but if you missed Upgrade and you like Venom do it. Do yourself a favor and check out Upgrade it is fantastic um, especially in comparison like I think it, it's got what Venom has but then it has like a competent story and uh, really good acting um, from all the way around so um, Logan Marshall Green who's in that looks like yes. Tom Hardy yes oh. That's a good point. I didn't even put that together until you said yeah. it, but that's right. Um, so I, I think... agree on the storytelling. It, it's this just as the last thing. Yeah, the yeah. storytelling in Venom is clunky. The way it gets from A to B to C to D to E is so convoluted and messy and rushed. It yeah, the pacing of this film isn't very good either. I don't think, but it's saved by Tom Hardy, the character of Venom, and their their relationship. But the one thing, quickly as well. I know they want to set this up and maybe expand it into like the Venom verse and whatever, but it also felt like a one-off, you know, one and done as well to me. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was reaching in the in terms of the film itself. Yeah, anything else after that, whatever. But in terms of the film, it didn't feel like it was desperately trying to set up some kind of you know universe. Yeah, like other films have done. I thought it was quite an insular film and. I lo- I appreciated it more for that that it didn't spend its whole time a bit like other f- um, films which have used Venom mm-hmm. and like Amazing Spider Man which has spent a whole time trying to set up other films or well, the second one at least so I liked that they kept it you know within its own story but it still wasn't yeah. a very good story yeah yeah and <laughs> you know it, it it's got some weird stuff in it but that I think concludes the four major movies for the month. Um, what we'll do now is we like to talk briefly about some other things that were released and that we saw this month. Um, uh, we'll start, I think, with uh, one that we both saw, Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, yeah, I um, what an awesome title, I've got to say that, before we do before anything else. What a great title for a film. Drew Goddard directs it with Jeff Bridges, Cynthia Erivo, the, the awesome John Hamm, Dakota Johnson, who's having a renaissance from Fifty Shades, Chris Hemsworth, Kaylee Spaney, and Lewis Pullman. So, what a great cast as well. Yes, um, Lewis Pullman and Cynthia Erivo are the highlights to me. Um, not that mm-hmm. they're, those other people are still great. Uh, John Hamm, I, I just love everything he's in. Um, even if I don't like the movie, I usually love him, like Tag earlier this year. Uh, but, man... Cynthia Erivo, who is also going to be in Widows, um, I've not seen, mm-hmm. but apparently she's a uh, a Broadway star who's now taking her talent to the screen. So far, very impressed with her. And then Lewis Pullman, who I still have not even bothered to look up to see if he is Bill Pullman's son. He is. Okay. He is. Um, man, that kid came out <laughs> swinging hard in this movie. Like, loved his performance in here. 
yeah, I bet his dad was proud. I liked this film. I thought it was it's good. I liked it more than some mm-hmm. because it's just dripping and sweating noir, and I love noir films. I didn't particularly like where it went towards the end, but everything else before that, the mystery that it set up and some of the scenes, and there's one with yeah. Cynthia Erivo, um built one out of the Arsley Brothers, and the people know I'm a massive Soul Motown fan, so I love that anyway. But the, in context of the scene, it's one of the best scenes I've seen this year. The way that the shot plays out with the camera work and that mm-hmm. tracking shot, her vocals in the background, and also what we're seeing on screen. So good. It, the movie looks good. Jeff Bridges is f- having a good time in this film. Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. is having a great time in this he film. But I liked it. It's a bit dirty. It's a bit sleazy. Has some class. I like Dakota Johnson. That I, Fifty Shades is what it is, but I think she's a fine actress, and I'm looking forward to Suspiria. She's good in this film. Oh, that's right. The, she, yeah, the mystery element of this film is great. It just falls apart for me in that third act. But everything else before that, plus it's got Michael Giacchino, and he's in everything, but he's he's uh, scoring this film. But it's I thought it was very very good, apart from that end sort of final third of the film. Yeah, I I pretty much agree. Um, it it it's missing something. I think it's substance that made me like really latch on and say I love it. But yeah. I liked it a whole lot. It was a lot of fun. I was never bored, and it is over two hours. But I never felt it. Um, it was so entertaining, so engaging, <coughs> and the performances are outstanding. Plus, there is uh, immense style in this movie. I mean, it, the look oh, yeah. of it, the costuming. Um, it is set in the late sixties. Um, actually around the same time as first man and uh yeah i i was definitely um enthralled and uh there are some things that are are weird or uh that i don't i didn't quite i felt like some things were underdeveloped which is okay like i don't need a movie to like hash out every detail but like they allude to so much and then they don't really close up a lot of those things which again i think is by design but it's 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 where it feels like it's just it's just missing something. There's a spark missing. Yeah, and for for making this like in my top ten or something for the year. That said, I did have a lot of fun with it, and I would totally watch this again. Um, I'll probably add it to my collection. Maybe a second viewing will will I'll find that spark. But um, I definitely had yeah. a good time with it. Yeah, when I at the beginning of the year, I always I've got because I'm a nerd like I like yourself in the nicest way. I have a spreadsheet and I go through the year's films and I add it month by month. So this is what I'm going to watch. This is what's coming out. And I clocked this film very early in the year just because of its cast and the fact that it was it, when it was in January. It's just listed as a mystery film with this cast. So I sort of had been on my radar. Plus, it's got a cool title, but I didn't think that I would come out of watching this and First Man almost as a double billing. Um, mm-hmm come out enjoying this more yeah yeah in fact when we picked our four movies for this month um i wish we had put this on instead of first man um Mm -hmm. but yeah uh it definitely um it it worked more for both of us than than first man did and i was apprehensive about this i didn't realize it was drew goddard until i was watching it um and i am a fan of cabin in the woods uh i'm not like i'm i'm not I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of the stuff he's written. I, I've watched Buffy, but I don't know how much of the Buffy stuff he wrote I saw. I wasn't like an, a huge fan of it. I watched it for a while when I was growing up. But um, yeah. I really like Cabin in the Woods, though. So, I uh, yeah, I, I so far I'm, I'm, I'm into what he's doing. Uh, this movie is getting a lot of Tarantino comparison. Um, 
I, I don't know if that's fair. Uh, I can see it. Like, I see what they're talking about, but it, it feels like its own thing. Like, I don't feel like it's ripping off Tarantino or anything like that, so... No, there's Tarantino vibes, but I don't think it's one of those films which is desperately trying to mimic yeah. Tarantino. Yeah, and, uh, you know, um, is it in the same vein? Like, a, will a Tarantino fan like this? Yeah, I think so. Um, I it's think pulpy. there's a pulpiness, yeah, so... Yeah. Um, but, all right, that's uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Um... Now, it looks like that's the only other movie that we both saw. So, uh, Matt, you want to go first and talk about what you watched this month? Uh, yeah, I oh, <laughs> I mentioned this film briefly earlier on, and I'm only going to be brief with it, because as far as I'm concerned, that's all it, uh, all it deserves. And it's Mandy, the Nicolas Cage-fronted, pseudo-weird, strange movie that came out to so much acclaim, it's in the high 90s on Rotten Tomatoes wow. this season. I seem to be the only person well, breathing who doesn't like this film. It is trash to me. It's directed by Panos Cosmatos, Nick Cage, Andrea Riceborough, who I'm a fan of, Linus Rope, Bill Duke, and a lot of other people whose names I'm not going to mention because I don't know what they did in the film because it brought me to tears. There's one scene in it which I am admittedly going to say is badass. There's one scene which is, um, it does have Nick Cage in it. It is pretty damn cool. It's in the last part, towards the end of the film. It's, it's it, you know, it's over the top, but I will allow this. But other than that, it that's, just didn't work for me at all, this film. It, it's it been described as like the visual embodiment of a black heavy metal album. Nothing wrong <laughs> with black heavy metal al- black heavy metal album, but, and I, cause I can see where they're coming from, but I don't know, just, it just, it, it's just, tr- it's just mental. But not in a good way. And I, I like those films where you watch it and you can think, do I need to be on something to enjoy this? Sometimes <laughs> you look at but which I'm not, I've got to say. Drugs are bad. Yes. But this is one of those films where it seems to be made for people who just are on it because it's psychedelic. The use of colours is mad. It's trippy as hell. It's got the great uh, Johan Johansson, the late great Johansson score in it. And I think this was the last score. I couldn't even get into that. And I love his scores. I love what he does with music but I don't know I just didn't like it whatsoever it's, o- it's OTT acting I thought it was painful to watch it uh, <laughs> I don't know I, if, I, my, I put in my review if it, if it wasn't for, if Nick Cage wasn't in this film nobody would be talking about it nobody it's one of those films where Nick Cage has come to it he's brought his star power to it it mm. gives him a chance to be wild and give people a chance to go mental because oh look Nick Cage is pulling faces again that's all he seems to be doing. He, he was in Mum and Dad this year. I didn't like that film either. And everybody's raving because he gets to go mental in it. Yep. But if that's all he's become now, a parody of himself, then come on, Nick. You could do better than that. But <sighs> lots of people think this is fantastic. I think it's artistic, nuanced, deep, which is fine. I just didn't work for me. And I've had a lot of respectful disagreements with people. And I am going to uh, say that. There's been a lot of people who have said to me, I do not agree with you, but I get where you're coming from and I respect that you don't like this film. And I wish the world was like that a lot more because uh, I thought I was going to get a lot more, a lot worse than I've got. But everybody who's disagreed has always been very good about it, which which is what, which is good because in my, in my review, it never says the word trash. Maybe I'm harsh in saying that. I've gone into detail why I don't like the film, but I've never once said I don't like it because it's rubbish and I don't like it. There's, you know, there's method behind what I'm saying, but it didn't work for me apart from one mental scene towards the end involving Nicolas Cage and a massive instrument of 
<laughs> talk of uh, not torture of uh, of hell, but yeah, <laughs> it didn't work for me. Yeah, man, I I have not seen it. Um, and breathe. I I heard uh, Doug Benson, who I'm a big fan of. He's not a film critic, but he does love movies, as his podcast says. Um, he also did not like it though. But there's he, someone else out there. Yeah, man, and he keeps telling a joke to uh, from the movie. It's not a joke he's making. It's a joke from the movie that he thinks just kind of embodies how bad it is. And it's the uh, knock knock. Who's there? Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada. Who? Eric Estrada from Chips, which apparently is a direct quote from Nicolas Cage, according to Doug Benson, in uh, Mandy. Or yeah, that's the right one. Um, so Mandy. that joke sounds awful. And uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I've kind of been off the Nick Cage thing for a while because I, I felt like he started parodying himself a bit ago. So Yeah. I can see I could see why people like it's not one of those films where I'm watching when I'm looking when when I watched it, I just think, how in the blue hell can people enjoy this? Because I just didn't like it as a film. I can see why people would like it, because there are it goes places which you know are going to not say affect people but you know it, it gets quite heavy at times but it's just built around too much weirdness strangeness and over-the-top hamminess for me and that's what just ruined the experience for me but i could see why people like it i am very surprised it's what 90 well, i think about 93 or 94 percent on rt mm-hmm. i don't know what the metric score is i'm very interested to find out what that is but it I just didn't think it would be anywhere near that kind of level of acclaim. But, um, yeah, on Metacritic, I can tell you what the score is actually right 81. now. 81. based wow. on 30 critics. Universal acclaim. Yeah. Remember earlier on in the show, and if you're listening to live show, this is what I'm talking about. Yep. Stand by, stand your ground, because I am in the vast minority here, but I just did not like this. The Universal acclaim says it's good. Didn't work for me. I am extremely interested to hear what John thinks about this when he does get a chance to see it. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to be cheaper or or play in a theater near me because um, it's like a $6 rental right now and I'm just like, I don't... It doesn't seem like something I would like and so mm-hmm. like paying 6 bucks for it is just not not high on my list. Like I'll pay the ticket price to see it in the theater but I have like services that pay for those technically speaking. So okay. um, if it comes nearby, I would check it out although I'm thinking at this point it's probably not... So uh, yeah, I might have to wait till it goes to like the ninety nine cent rental or something. But um, you may you may think it's fantastic, and if so, I mean, I'm so excited to see hear what you think about it if you do. But I'm looking forward to that day. All right. Obviously, I hope you like it because I don't yeah. want it, I don't wish a bad experience on anyone. Yeah, correct. Yes, we're not, we're not encouraging like that. Oh, we hope you have to suffer through this movie. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you're looking for a kindred spirit too, someone who isn't in this ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. Yeah, all more power to them. But uh, the next film uh, I did see, and uh, John hasn't seen this, and it's on, the, uh, it's on the other side of the coin. It's Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween. Part of this was a guilty pleasure because I I loved, used to love the Goosebumps books when I was a kid. I had all of them. I used to love them. And it got me into reading you know, more mature books and horror books and kind of spawned my love for that genre. But So part of it was good memories as well. And also the, the TV series gave us Ryan Gosling also gave us Hayden Christensen as well. So, um, so but what can I say? This is, I, I like the first Goosebumps film. I thought it was surprisingly quite decent. Yeah, with Jack Black in it more than I thought I would. This one isn't as good as the first film. It's a kids' horror film. You know what I mean? It's it's a PG. It's not gonna 
it's not there to put up any trees or scare you. I think for younger kids, like much younger, there are some scenes in this which may give them a bit of a jolt. There is some sort of monster moments in it which they might find quite scary. And Slappy the Doll, who was my favourite character as a child, he is quite creepy for a PG doll. I quite I liked his character. Jeremy Ray Taylor's in it. He was in It from last year. And Wendy... Uh, Wendy McClendon Covey is in it, and she's very good as a mum. She's excellent. Mm. Madison Eisman is in it from Jumanji. Khalil Harris, Chris Parnell, Ken Jong's in it, and Jack Black is also in this film as well, though I believe he may have been a bit busy with the house with a clock in its walls. This film's better yeah. than that film is, I think. But Okay, that's what I was going to ask, because I, I did not like House with a Clock in its Walls. Yeah, I didn't. This film's better, because it's just it has what the House of a Clock in its Walls didn't have for me, and it was the element of fun. This film knows what it is. It doesn't try to put itself as anything else. It's a horror film, well, a PG horror film for the younger kids. Mm-hmm. And it knows it is. But So it's not the best film of the year. It's I had fun with it. Part of that was my nostalgia, and I didn't get to hear that classic Goosebumps TV theme. It becomes a CGI fest at the end, which is fairly standard now for these kind of films. Yeah. But it was... I thought it was good. I still don't think there's been a definitively brilliant Goosebumps film. And I know I'm saying that as a 32-year-old, almost 33 next week, <laughs> year old man, but I really did like those books as a kid. But yeah, it, better than The House of Apocalypse Rules, which isn't saying much, but it, I enjoyed it. It for, for the younger kids out there, sort of five, six years old, it, there may be some bits in it which are a bit scary, but I think by the time they come out of the theatre or, or finish their box of popcorn or trick-or-treat or Halloween treats, then they'll get over it quite quickly. But yeah, I, for, a, for a fun... Halloween or um, film for this season, if you've got kids, put this on. They'll have a good time. They're not going to get too scared by it, and it's not the worst film in the world. Yeah, um, and I, I, I've missed two kid movies um, this month, uh, Smallfoot and Goosebumps, um, and I've heard really good things about Smallfoot. I just have <laughs> not... Uh, I don't like going to the, the kid films alone, and my daughter is now at that age where she's too cool to go to them. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of just like, oh, well, I guess I won't see these until like they come on Netflix or something. But um, I, I, I did like the first Goosebumps, and I was I was a little sad to see the sequel was looking very like low-budget sequel. like almost It almost feels like it could have been straight to VOD. Uh, from That's the a trailer. good point. Yeah, it has got that look to it, unfortunately. Yeah, but then the, once the House of the Clock and the Swallows came out and Jack Black started showing up in the trailer, because they kept him out of the trailer, I think, to avoid confusion of the two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, they at least had him come back. I, I thought they were just going to write him out. Um, he He's in it, kind of. But yeah, I think he it. was, yeah, and that's not a spoiler, because like I said, we're spoiler free, but he was clearly tied up with the House of the Clock and the Swallows. His schedule permitted him to be in that film for a lot longer. And. He's not. He doesn't. He's not the leading man of this film like he was in that yeah. first film. And uh, we 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 both mentioned in, when we reviewed House and the Clock and the Walls last month that it felt Goosebumps light. And having seen this one, and obviously with the first film, then it was Goosebumps light. It just wasn't quite as good as, yeah. unfortunately. Yep. That's that's well. At least this one's better than House of the Clock and the Walls. <laughs> yeah. Um. And you saw one more from this month, right? Uh, nope, that's for me, Dan. Uh, well, yes, I did. Sorry, apologies. No I saw the the big film of the month, or one of the big films, Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, I'm going to keep this extremely top level because it doesn't come out in the States for a few more days yet. Yep. All I will say is I 
I'm aware that it's getting mixed reviews. I'm on the positive side. I thought it was pretty damn good. Rami Malek is very, very good as Freddie Mercury in this film. I had my issues with with parts of it, mainly in actually in the story that they told. But the big moments which you wanted to see worked for me. Rami Malek was great, and I had a good time with it. And I'm looking forward to going into it a bit more next month with John. Yes, that one will be extensively covered in our November episode um, because I can't see it yet. I won't get to see it till this coming weekend um, when we're recording this one. Uh, So I'm looking forward to it and hope I enjoy it. Um, I've seen a few movies uh, from this month. Uh, I definitely want to mention. Um, I I guess Hellfest I saw this month, although I think it came out in September. Um, Not good. Uh, jumping ahead there, I'm not going to spend any time with that one. But I agree um, on your assessment there. Yeah, I, I saw The Sisters Brothers, which stars Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal, John C. Riley, and Riz Ahmed. Um, it's listed as a comedy, and that's misleading. It is more of a Western drama. There is humor in it. Um, and I have to say, I'm I'm becoming aware that John C. Riley is in like my top five actors. Like I, I feel like he's so underappreciated because he is... John C. Riley, and essentially his persona is the character he gets typecast as, like this kind of doormat that gets walked on. Um, but man, I, I always enjoy his performances. Um, going way back, I mean, going like to uh, Chicago and um, all of the freaking Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, he's just so versatile and good, um, and blends into the role that he's he's for and. Uh, him and Joaquin Phoenix are playing brothers in this movie, which, of course, one got better looks. Uh, no offense, John, but um, <laughs> uh, I love their their chemistry. Um, Joaquin is so amazing anyways. And then Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed um, are kind of paired off, uh, and they have some really strong chemistry, and I really like their performances too. It's definitely a good movie. Um, I, I don't love it, but I, I liked it more than um, – it's, it's above the middle of the row for the year. Um, okay. For John C. Riley, I know he was nominated for Chicago for the Oscar, mm-hmm. but do you think he can kind of? I don't want to compare like because it's not fully comparable. But do you think he can pull a Steve Carell one and kind of start raking in these proper these performances and you know get himself in that Academy Award position in any again? I I do maybe not I for mean, this film, but I mean if you look through like especially I went through a lot of the Paul Thomas Anderson works and. Um, like uh magnolia he's he's more dramatic role in that film um he he's definitely got the chops to do it um but he's also got the comedic chops i mean him and will ferrell like have been my favorite will ferrell movies between stepbrothers talladega nights and i'm very much looking forward to holmes and watson yes um because of of that that pairing of the two i think they play off each other but i'm looking forward to those two Mm -hmm. um all right so uh I saw The Old Man and the Gun, the new Robert Redford and Casey Affleck film. Um, that is, I'm forgetting who directed it. I'm pulling that up. Uh, David Lowry, who directed The Ghost Story from last year. Um, and I am becoming a fan of his. Uh, I really like The Old Man and the Gun, like, so much. Um, way more than I expected to, in fact. Um, if you get to see it, I highly recommend it. It even has, like, a little a little nod of the hat to uh, Redford's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. Uh, nice. Sundance Kid performance at the very beginning of the movie. There's this little nod to that, and um, I didn't realize, but the old man in the gun is based on a true story, uh, which is always kind of compelling. Um, that's that's uh, to me, it's a must see movie. I, I I was really in the perfect and Sissy Spacek can't 
undersell her. She's great in the movie as well. Um, oh, also, I didn't, know, I didn't know she was in it. I think it yeah. comes out in December, over the first week of December over here. So I've still got best part of five weeks yeah. to go. But I've heard good things about it. And for what it's worth, and uh, everything else to start, baggage aside, I think Casey Affleck's a fantastic actor. So him and Redford together sounds yeah. good. With David Lowry, mm-hmm. uh, count me up, sign me up. I gotta say, there's a scene in this movie that I think is Affleck's like best performance, like wow. um, which is saying I love Manchester, and I also I love the ghost story. Like I I'm one of those people that because there's that movie seemed to to be pretty polarizing. Um, I love the ghost story, but Affleck's under a sheet for most of it. Um, here it still managed to pack a punch though. Yes, it did. Uh, and here he he gets a moment, man, where the work he does just in his eyes, like just the the emotion he's exhibiting is just so powerful. Um, then, um, uh, I saw Free Solo, um, which is a documentary, which currently is in my top 10 for the year. Um, the cinematography is amazing. The story is so compelling and I knew so little about, uh, free soloing. Like I didn't even know what that was, um, until I saw this documentary and I think it's one of the most terrifying things in the whole world. Um, these people are crazy. They, they climb mountains with nothing, but man, um, it's, it's intense. And as a film lover, there's this really cool aspect where you kind of see the making of the documentary inside the documentary at times, which is really cool. And I I like that kind of behind the curtain take that the movie does. Um, I've heard good things about free solo. And again, that comes out. Uh, very in in a few weeks time so i'm going to be definitely jumping on the train for that one and well i normally don't feel like you need to see a documentary in the theater the cinematography for this warrants that you see it on the biggest screen you can because you are getting these vistas of giant mountains and uh it, it deserves to be on a big screen for sure so if you can see uh free solo in the theater i highly recommend it um i will, I will check it out i saw the oath um, which is Ike Barinholtz comedy that uh, co-stars Tiffany Haddish, Billy Magnuson, who's had a pretty solid year. Um, I, I don't know. John Cho's listed early in the cast. Um, I feel like that's kind of a, it's not a spoiler, but I feel like it's, it's a surprise when he shows up and I, I think he should be listed lower in the cast, but he probably had something in his contract that it's higher up because he's John Cho. Um, but uh, it also has, um, a couple of older character actors, uh, Chris Ellis and uh, Nora Dunn, who get to play uh, Ike Barinholtz's parents. And it is a crazy premise um, in in the best way. It's a super dark comedy, though, so know that going in. It is definitely of the time um, of the what's going on in America right now. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it definitely takes a side, but I do feel like it presents it as neither side is correct. But we're, we're, we're all acting crazier than normal uh no matter what Mm. political uh leaning you might have and that if we could get rid of one particular thing maybe things would return to the way they were (laughs) um but uh it does so in some pretty compelling ways and again there's a lot of funny funny moments in the movie dark comedy but nonetheless funny um unless you don't like dark comedy in which case you won't enjoy it but uh (laughs) I, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with the movies. It's actually probably one of the the funniest movies I've seen this year. I think. Really? Yeah, I, I laughed a lot. Um, I the crowd I was with too. It wasn't a big crowd, but there was there was probably like ten, fifteen people. 
um, and me and there was a girl in the same row as me who was also by herself. We were cracking up a lot, and like I, I laugh at movies anyways. But if if I'm alone, I try to like control my laughter so I'm not like warning attention. But I did not hear. I was I laughed out loud a few times where I was like not my full volume of laughter I can get, but loud enough where the theater knew that I thought something was funny. And, uh, and she was the same. And I, I felt that kind of only prompted me to laugh more because I'm like, Oh, she's alone. She's not afraid to laugh. I'm going to also laugh. And it's Let's do it. Yeah. Just have, have fun with it. <laughs> and I did. So, um, yeah, I, and I like Ike Barinholtz. Um, he was in blockers earlier this year as well. And, yeah. uh, uh, and Tiffany Haddish, um, I I'm glad uh, this movie, especially she's kind of cast against type. She's not playing the same character I've seen her in, in like night school and um, uh, girls trip from last year. So, and what looks like the Tyler Perry movie she's going to be in is also going to have a very similar type of Tiffany Haddish performance. This um, she's more sensible and logical and he's much more irrational. Um, Not to say she doesn't get mad at a few moments, but it's always like, controlled and with with a purpose and i i like that i like seeing her get a little bit of range um yeah given to her not that she doesn't have it but that she was able to actually show it because that's you know a lot of uh comedic actors end up getting typecast and they don't get to, to to flex that muscle but i'm a big fan of actors being cast against type mm-hmm. it's something i've always liked all the way back to I know, Billy Wilder back then uh, casting people against their type. I've always liked it. I like the Mayorich stories from last year with your Adam Sandler, oh, Ben Stiller yeah. against type. I know they've done dramatic ones before, but against type, brilliant. For sure. Um, and that's, I, I like Steve Carell in dramatic roles. Um, I mm-hmm. actually don't like most of his comedies, but I love his dramatic stuff. <laughs> um, except for Foxcatcher. I hated Foxcatcher. Yeah, yeah. You didn't like Foxcatcher? Nope, did not. Uh, push just did like that. Yeah, a lot of people did. It just hit my buttons wrong, man. I did not enjoy that movie. Um, all right, I have two more uh, that I saw this month. Uh, one today, but before I get to that one, uh, mid nineties. Um, I mentioned earlier I saw mid nineties at a critic screening, and um, it is a character study for sure. It is not so. It's not very concerned with plot. Um, it's also not concerned with nostalgia which was the biggest shock to me. I was expecting it to be like, just like, look at all this stuff from the nineties. And mm-hmm. while it's there, it's not really relevant. Like you could have set this movie at almost any time and still had a very awesome experience. Um, it's very personal. Uh, it's, it's definitely about friendship and family. Um, and, and the characters are super relatable uh, features. Um, Sonny Soljic, who is, just an upcoming amazing superstar. Like he was in Killing of a Sacred Deer last year. Uh, he's in House with the Clock in His Walls, but not the lead. He's the uh, mm. friend. He, I thought, while the character's bad, I thought his performance in that movie was good. And it actually hurt the movie, though, because the kid who he was put up against, who was the lead, can't hold a candle to this strong, kid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but there's some other performances here that are super strong, um, including, I didn't even realize she was in it, but Catherine Watterson's in this movie. And I didn't see her in any of the trailers, so I was really shocked when she showed up. I was like, oh, um, didn't know she was going to be here. But uh, I've really grown to like her a lot over the last couple of years, so um, it's it's very competently directed. There are some, there are some little hiccups that you can see the first time uh, styling kind of showing up. Um, and even the, the – while it makes sense to do the 4 by 3 aspect ratio, 
um it also feels like it's a, it's a little bit too trendy right now after a ghost story and then um there's been a few other films now that none of them are popping to my brain but they have gone this route with this aspect ratio the old square first, first reform did it oh yes and first reform felt i think first reform felt the most unnecessary to have it um i don't really know why they went that route there like a ghost story i get Take it that back oh i love the movie <laughs> i love the movie i just don't see why that aspect ratio was the choice why not go widescreen yeah, yeah. Especially that. with some of those landscape shots in First Reform, I would have loved to have that across the screen. Um, but uh, nonetheless, um, I really like mid '90s. It, it resonated with me, and I, I ended up having a really good time with it. Um, and from what I could tell, the audience I was with generally liked it as well, um, except for the two people behind me who would not shut the crap up. Oof. And the last movie I saw today, before recording this, almost um, was The Hate You Give cool and uh that movie um i it worked really well for me uh hit a lot of emotional beats um i i did tear up a few times uh one uh, like a lot and the other is more just like a, a tear in the corner of my eyes kind of thing but mm-hmm. um i uh was really impressed with the lead um amandla 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 stenberg is it well, it looks like there's an L in the name. Yeah, that, it, that, that she has got an L in her name. And that's what I'm like, I don't know, is it Amanda? Uh, <laughs> it's definitely. Uh, she was in every, Everything, Everything, which got a lot of hate. I won't lie, I found it to be tolerable and enjoyable. She was in The Darkest Minds. Oh, I didn't see that. Um, <laughs> mm. Yeah, but she's really <laughs> yeah. good here, man. She's uh, She carries the scenes really, really well. Um, Lamar Johnson's really good. Regina Hall, who I generally like in most things. Um, I think the highlight for me, though, was Russell Hornsby, who plays Maverick, who is uh, the girl's dad, and his role in the film I just loved and could not get um, enough of. He hit a lot of the emotions for me were from him, Um, and in general, um, there's some other good performances and stuff, but uh, it's a really timely film, and it works um, almost completely all the way through. I think it... And I, I honestly think it does a good job of kind of trying to show both sides of the uh, the debate. So I thought that was um, really, really awesome part of it, that it was just, yes, this is how we feel. However, don't think that we're not considering how other people's points of view might show up. And while we will dispute those things, ultimately, we are, we're all looking for this equality, this, this, balance that we can walk and um yeah the themes hit hard there there's a couple of scenes that are a little too over sensationalized i think but overall i love this movie so 82 on metascore agrees with you i've heard big i've heard good things about this film Uh, apparently it came out a week ago in the uk but it's not playing anywhere near me but i know it comes out i think in the next week in and around where i am so i'm really looking forward to seeing that film Uh, especially now that you've given it um, good props, but to be honest, all the films you've mentioned, um, I wasn't I wasn't too clued up on the oath, but now I'm definitely going to watch it. Free Solo, I've heard good things about, and The Old Man and the Gun, as I mentioned, just for its cast and director, I would have seen it. But I'm intrigued to hear that it's it's you know, at least very good. And uh, I also want to throw in Apostle. I saw that this mm. month. It's a Netflix film which um, debuted, premiered, however you want to call it, in October. I think it's October the 12th. It came out uh, worldwide directed by Gareth Evans, the dude who did the Raid films. 
and it's oh. got Dan Stevens, Lucy Boynton, who I really like as a up-and-coming British actress, Michael Sheen, and angry Mark Lewis Jones in it. It's uh, Netflix uh, original, which is actually pretty good, which doesn't happen very often. So, no, it's it's, one, it's it's a strange kind of gothic mystery horror film, thriller film, mm. and it works for the most part. If I like the premise of it, I thought that was fabulous, and for the first hour, it's really mysterious and spooky and atmospheric. But oh, I didn't really like the I didn't really like the the I guess you can call it the second half of the film. I think it started to fall apart. I would say fairly rapidly, but it falls apart in the second half for me. But the first half I thought was some damn good storytelling, and it evokes the Wicker Man. If you like the Wicker Man or you just appreciate it, you're gonna like part of this film. But if you think it's gonna be anything like the Raid, then think again because it's nothing like that. But it's very slow, very brooding. There's some good horror moments in it. There's some good mystery slash thriller moments in it. And Dan Stevens is pretty good in it. He's kind of restrained in his role. Lucy Boyd is good. Michael Sheen is good in it. Mark Lewis Jones, who was very angry in The Last Jedi. He was in the, only in the first few scenes. He's just as angry here. And he's Welsh. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to annoy a Welshman because, God, God blimey. But, yeah, I, I thought it looked great and it had a good atmosphere. But the most important thing was it was a Netflix film which was good, and it's an original as well, which doesn't happen very often. Um, so, Unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah. And just before I go, sorry, there's a couple of films we've spoken about in the last few months, which I did catch this month, which I know that John uh, liked, so I just wanted to validate his uh, his okay. excellency. Okay. The Juliet Naked, I know it came out a few months ago in the States, it's only just coming out in the UK now. I really enjoyed that film with Ethan Hawke and Rose Byrne and Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd's insufferably excellent. Ethan Hawke, uh, is just taps into that 90s grungy look. And Rose Byrne is charmingly excellent. Hearts Beat Loud, really enjoyed that. Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens are dynamite together. Oh, yeah. Really enjoyed that as uh, ex-musicians ourselves who chased the dream once upon a time. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of that resonated with me and some of the things that happened I remember doing as well. And I like the fact that it didn't follow the direction I thought it was going to go. Um, and I also managed to catch Sorry to Bother You as well, which I thought was just pretty good. And I know John really enjoyed it. That's kind of our that's one of the films we see we don't see eye to eye on, but respectfully. I liked a lot I liked the first half, didn't like the second half. So that's my catch up on what John's seen this year. Yep. And I Heart, Hearts Be Loud, um I just bought. I finally I've been waiting to buy it and it went on sale on Voodoo this week and I was like, Yes. Um I love that movie so much. Um such a feel-good movie for the year, yeah. too. Something that's missing, I think. Not in a bad way. I mean, art expresses the the culture, and the culture right now, especially in America, is not super feel-good. But mm-hmm. um, I, when I saw Hearts Be Loud, the director was there at the film festival to do a Q&A, and he definitely uh, stressed that he wanted something to kind of, um, you know, freshen up, because uh, everything around is so negative and pessimistic right now and and he wasn't saying that that's a that that's wrong but that he needed uh, something to take that away for a moment and this movie was that and it it did that for me completely i totally um i love that film so much i also love the soundtrack uh or at least the four original songs that you hear in the movie um man love them um i've got to shout that cast as well nick offerman casey tony collette who's Who's you know always very good, yes. But, and obviously she's in Hereditary. I, I don't know if this is filmed before or after, but it's complete opposite to that in how she in her performance. Yeah. Yes. Ted Danson 
and Sasha Lane from American Honey. So it's got yes. a really good sort of eclectic blend in there in the cast, and everybody is across the board very good. Yeah, Sasha Lane and Kiersey Clemens are fantastic in this movie yeah. too. Um, and Sasha Lane, uh, I don't remember. Have you seen um, the educa- Miseducation of Cameron Post? Uh, it comes out in the next few weeks, okay. and I'm so excited to see it. Yeah, I really like that. I got to see that at Tribeca, and um, so Sasha's in two movies that I really enjoyed this year. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, lots of great movies out there, folks, and that's what this is all about. Ultimately, um, we're trying to help you find the good ones and avoid the the stinkers. Um, of course, like we said, it's all subjective, so only take our word for it if you seem like you agree with a lot of our other opinions that you have seen. Because that's where you'll find the uh, the commonality there. But um, what uh, I think that's it for the show, Matt. Uh, where yeah. can people follow you on social media? Uh, find me at what I watch tonight on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go to the website whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and you'll see all the movie reviews and the podcasts, uh, all that good stuff on there. And you can follow me at Burke Reviews. Um, that's on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And if uh, you go to BurkeReviews.com, you can keep up with the reviews that we write um, and all the things that go on at the sh- at our, uh, our website, podcasts, and the like. Um, we are on every platform now. So if you can take a moment and rate us uh, for Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts, because we are literally on, I think, everything now, um, we would be grateful because we only do this once a month. And so there's not a lot of episodes, but we it's pretty extensive when we get to it. And, of course, it's spoiler-free. So what have you got to lose? Um, Matt, thanks for giving up your uh, Saturday evening. Uh, God, um, for you, it's like Saturday late night. Um, <laughs> to, uh, it's, Saturday, it's Sunday morning now, in fact. But we get the, the clocks go back here in a while. So I actually, I actually make my hour back in sleep. Interesting. I, I don't know if ours does tonight or not. Um, I'm guessing it might if yours is. So... <laughs> He might want to check that. I should look into that. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, then, uh, until next time, um, keep watching movies. Stay bloody awesome. Hey, everyone. I'm Jonathan Burke, and I love movies. In fact, I love them so much, I can't stop talking about them. BurkeReviews.com features tons of reviews and a few podcasts that we call BurkeReviews.com MovieCast. You can listen right at the site, or they are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep watching movies.